Welcome to Skim This. The weather outside really is frightful. And while millions of Americans will get a white Christmas, thousands will also have their flights canceled. We're skimming how to survive the holiday travel madness. Also on the show, we've got the week's other major headlines, from a surprise visit in Washington, D.C., to chaos and confusion at the U.S.-Mexico border. Later, the January 6th committee dropped its final mixtape, I mean, report. We read it so you don't have to. And finally, from the Negroni Spagliato to the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago, 2022 was a weird one. We're bringing you highlights from the year in sound. We're here to make you smarter and the news less overwhelming. I'm Alex Carr, and for the last time in 2022, let's skim this. Let's start with some headlines from the week's news and give you some context on why they matter. First up. Tonight, a crippling collision course taking aim at holiday travel. The U.S. is bracing for a bomb cyclone that's bringing snow, rain, and severe wind chill to more than 40 states this weekend. Talk about North Pole vibes. Snow already blanketed the Pacific Northwest earlier this week, and now over 50 million people across the northern plains to the Great Lakes are under winter weather advisories as the storm moves across the country. Depending on where you live, temperatures could drop 25 to 35 degrees in just a matter of hours between Thursday night and Friday morning. In the Northeast, heavy rainfall combined with an Arctic blast of freezing temperatures could create dangerous conditions on the road. And states as far south as Texas and Florida could see below freezing temperatures. On Wednesday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott assured reporters that the state's power grid will be able to handle the freeze coming and that we won't see a repeat of the massive grid failure from 2021 when over 200 people died. All of this frightful winter weather means some people might not be making it home for the holidays. AAA is predicting that more than 7 million people will be flying home this holiday season. But by the time we publish this, over 12,000 flights had been delayed, and more than 4,000 flights were canceled going into this weekend. Still, if you're planning on traveling this weekend, here are some tips to navigate potential headaches. First, if you're flying, make sure to have your airline's app downloaded on your phone. And if your flight gets canceled, hop online in person to speak with an agent and multitask on your phone. Oftentimes, you can rebook directly from the app, and sometimes it's even faster than speaking with a rep. Also, don't forget to bring snacks, because if your flight is delayed, buying $9 Cheez-Its will only put you in a worse mood. And if you're driving this weekend, keep an emergency cold weather kit with things like a first aid kit, gloves, blankets, and snacks in your car. Also be sure to keep your phone charged and monitor the ice on the road. For our next headline, there's a surprise visitor in town. And no, it's not Santa. President Zelensky, I'm honored to welcome you back to the White House. We spent an awful lot of time on the telephone 
On Wednesday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky touched down in Washington, D.C. This is his first trip out of Ukraine since the Russian invasion began more than 300 days ago. So why did he make the trip? Short answer, weapons. Zelensky wants the U.S. to supply Ukraine with more high-tech weapons to fight off Russian advances. And during his visit, the White House released details about the first-ever Patriot missile defense systems the U.S. is sending to Ukraine to help with air raids. Later in the day, Zelensky addressed a joint session of Congress. It's a great honor for me to be at the U.S. Congress and speak to you and all Americans. Against, against all odds and doom and gloom, Scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. Zelensky's appearance comes as some politicians have been pushing back on sending more funding to Ukraine. Some GOP lawmakers have said they don't want to write blank checks for the war in Ukraine. And some in Congress even mocked Zelensky. But during his speech, Zelensky doubled down and said that the additional aid was critical, calling it an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. And while we're talking about what's going on in D.C., let's get to our next headline. Tonight, former President Trump's tax returns will be released to the public. Lawmakers got six years of Trump's tax returns last month, and now those documents could be revealed in as soon as just a few days. After a long-fought battle, late Tuesday night, the House Ways and Means Committee voted to release six years of Donald Trump's tax returns. A summary report published this week revealed Trump paid just $750 in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017. And I'll just say that's definitely less than what I paid. And in 2020, the summary says he paid $0 in federal income taxes. Another report released by the same committee alleged that the IRS failed to audit Trump's taxes during the first two years of his presidency, even though they're required to do so. Blame it on the staffing shortages, I guess. The committee also said Congress should codify a mandatory audit program in the future. Big picture, this release is a win for transparency and accountability. But some critics say this move is the end of tax privacy as we know it. And while we're talking about the former president, our next headline takes us to the southern border, where a Trump-era policy has been causing some tension. Growing concerns at the U.S. southern border. Thousands of migrants are arriving each day as the fate of Title 42 hangs in the balance. For weeks, thousands of migrants have made their way to the U.S. southern border, ahead of Title 42's anticipated expiration yesterday. As a reminder, under the Trump administration, the CDC used a decades-old public health order to basically give Border Patrol the power to expel migrants and asylum seekers from the U.S. in order to stop the spread of COVID. Now, the Biden administration believes that that rule has outlived its public health justification and is ready to bring it to an end. But there's a catch. While Team Biden is ready for the program to wind down, there's been a lot of resistance. 
And earlier this week, the Supreme Court even weighed in and extended the order at the request of 19 GOP-led states. Those states argue that ending Title 42 is going to lead to a surge in migrants crossing the border, putting pressure on border states. While immigration advocates say Title 42 stops those who need asylum from getting it under the guise of public health. And this fight over Title 42 comes as things at the border have gotten more dangerous. The past fiscal year has been the deadliest year on record for migrants trying to make it to the U.S. According to the data, at least 800 people died while trying to cross the border. Many migrants, including from Nicaragua, Cuba, and Haiti, are fleeing economic troubles, violence, and other threats at home. So while the fight over this policy continues to play out, El Paso, Texas has declared a state of emergency, and officials estimate 20,000 migrants may be waiting in Mexico to cross over. For our final headline, let's take a look at what's going on at Twitter. We've tried to tamp down the Twitter news recently, but Elon Musk is now stepping down as Twitter's CEO. It all started on Sunday, when Musk asked Twitter users to vote if he should stay put as CEO of the company. And 57% of the users who voted said, you've got to go. For his part, Musk seems to be a man of his word. After the polls closed on Tuesday, Musk said he'd resign as Twitter's chief executive as soon as he finds someone, direct quote here, foolish enough to take the job. One possible candidate is Snoop Dogg, who posted his own poll asking if he should run Twitter. And 81% of users who voted said yes. How do you remember all your passwords? Oh, wow, that's a great question, Jimmy. I'd have to say telekinesis. Telekinesis? Yes, well, I tell a few of my nieces to <laughs> put it in their phone and they remember it for me. Honestly, I'm kind of manifesting this for 2023. For the past 18 months, a House Select Committee has been investigating the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. January 6th Committee took its place in history as presenting one of the most, if not the most, important set of hearings in congressional history. If Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. Presidential pressure can be really hard to resist. This could have been the spark that started a new civil war. Because you'll never, ever take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. There were officers on the ground. They were bleeding. They were throwing up. I, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. Again, he is unfit for any office. And their watch ended this week, when the committee of seven Democrats and two Republicans held its final hearing and dropped a report with the findings. We know that might not be your winner-break read of choice, so we're skimming three things you need to know about what they found. Number one, for the first time ever, a congressional committee is recommending that a former U.S. president be prosecuted. 
The committee voted unanimously in favor of four criminal referrals against former President Donald Trump. Those include conspiracy to defraud the United States government, conspiracy to make a false statement, obstruction of an official proceeding, and insurrection. So how did they come to that conclusion? Through its several hearings, the committee found that Donald Trump plotted a months-long plan to steal Joe Biden's win. Trump claimed widespread election fraud and worked with state election officials to pressure the then-VP Mike Pence to delay certifying election results, even though he knew it could spell legal trouble. Trump also allegedly submitted a false slate of electors to Congress in an attempt to overturn swing states that Biden won. And finally, the panel says Trump rallied his supporters to storm the Capitol and refused to stop the violence even though he knew lives were at risk. We fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The committee's been clear that they think Trump is mainly responsible for the events of January 6th. But he wasn't the only one involved. And that brings us to the second thing you need to know. Some members of Congress and others in Trump's circle played an active role in trying to overturn the election, too. The committee made criminal referrals against Trump's lawyer, John Eastman, for pushing Mike Pence to reject legitimate electoral votes. The committee also referred four House Republicans, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, to the Bipartisan House Ethics Committee for refusing to cooperate with the investigation. While those lawmakers won't be charged criminally, they could face fines or disciplinary action. But considering that Republicans will have the power in the House starting in January, that's unlikely. And that brings us to the third thing you need to know, the consequences of this investigation. Let's start with what we might see in the short term, including legislation. Congress is expected to pass a bipartisan bill that would prevent a January 6th-like scenario from happening again. The Electoral Count Act would make it clear that a vice president's role in the election certification process is strictly ceremonial. And it would raise the threshold needed for members of Congress to object to a state's electoral votes. Lawmakers have added this act to a larger government spending bill, which will have to pass by the end of this week in order to keep the government funded. If all goes as planned, it'll be the first piece of legislation to protect elections since the Capitol riots happened. Longer term, it's up to the Department of Justice to choose whether or not to prosecute Trump. As a reminder, the DOJ has separately been looking into the former president's actions on January 6th. Not to mention, the department is also investigating Trump's handling of classified documents. What all this means is that the DOJ likely won't prosecute Trump solely based on the House committee's recommendations. Meanwhile, experts question whether or not the January 6th investigations have stained Trump's reputation, especially as he gears up for his 2024 presidential run. Some say the investigation and the others that have piled on the former president have dampened the enthusiasm for him to run again, and that the controversy surrounding him has made his rivals like Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis become more popular. So the jury's out on whether these hearings will actually affect Trump's popularity as a political candidate or whether the former president will face prosecution.
the year is coming to a close. And it's safe to say a lot happened in 2022, from politics to protests to pop culture. But instead of trying to overanalyze what happened or ignore it, we thought we should take some time and just listen to the sounds of a busy year, a year where a lot of us experienced changes. Today, an historic upheaval in a sweeping ruling that overturned a half a century of precedents, five justices ended the right of American women to choose abortion under the Constitution. This is a nightmare. I'm 21 and I'm terrified. This is the moment America and women's rights went back in time. Also in 2022, Americans had to grapple with the effects of gun violence yet again. We are following the breaking news out of Texas, and it is heartbreaking news. Peabody County 911. Hello, ma'am. Can you hear me? A gunman was inside Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, shooting at children. It started around 2.30 Saturday afternoon in the parking lot of this Topps Friendly Market store in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo. I was scared. I was trapped. I wanted to get out of that building. Breaking news. Police say at least five people are dead after a shooting at a Colorado Springs nightclub. When are we going to do something? Something else that hit families and communities hard was the rocky economy. The highest inflation in 41 years. More evidence that it's getting harder for American workers to keep up with the cost of living. It's moment to moment, it's day to day, it's counting the pennies. That's just for food and gas and God forbid anything else go wrong in life. Inflation hit record highs in June. And while prices might have peaked, Americans are still worried about the state of the economy heading into the new year. Amazon has announced plans to lay off 10,000 workers. The latest tech company that's been cutting jobs. This comes after cuts at Meta and Twitter. We're stock markets, major indices, all having their worst start of the year in several decades. Stocks dropped to new lows for the year. And people invested in crypto are just plain worried. 2022 has been a brutal year for cryptocurrency. FTX is back in the spotlight with the crypto company taking part in a bankruptcy court hearing today. The company filed for bankruptcy last month as it collapsed. This was a case of good old-fashioned embezzlement. Now, Meanwhile, Congress is hoping that the Inflation Reduction Act, the historic spending bill that got signed in August, and the bill as amended is passed, helps ease some pain for families and invests in the country's future. The major victory for President Biden and the Democrats, the Senate passage of a landmark $740 billion economic package. The package will make the single biggest investment in clean energy in the nation's history. That bill wasn't the only thing keeping lawmakers busy this year. President Biden just signed the historic Respect for Marriage Act that protects same-sex and interracial marriages. And back in February, Congress passed a Me Too bill that got rid of forced arbitration for sexual harassment and assault at work and increased protections for workers. So this is one of the most significant workplace reforms in American history. The bill is going to help fix a broken system that protects perpetrators and corporations and ends the days of silencing survivors. Lawmakers also passed the first major gun safety bill in decades, but notably didn't pass an assault weapons ban. And while we're on the topic of D.C., let's talk about the Supreme Court, where a new justice donned her robes. 
the next associate justice of the United States Supreme Court, the Honorable Ketanji Brown Jackson. It is the greatest honor of my life to be here with you at this moment. This fall, as SCOTUS took up a new slate of cases, Americans hit the polls to vote in the midterm elections. And while Republicans expected huge gains, things didn't pan out as analysts expected. That there was going to be a red wave, yet a lot of folks probably waking up at this hour going, what happened to that red wave? We did not see that red wave materialize. Democrats now have control of the United States Senate insured. Voters in California, Michigan, Vermont, Kentucky, and Montana were all considering measures on abortion. Abortion rights is now enshrined into the state's constitution. This is the first ballot test for abortion rights, and the answer was clear, and it was decisive, and it was in Kansas. I mean, you said it there, a ruby red state. The midterm elections also weren't great for former President Donald Trump, who announced his candidacy for the 2024 presidential election just a couple weeks later. A lot of candidates that Trump backed in the midterms including Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker and Pennsylvania Senate candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz, lost their races, which helped keep the Democratic majority in the Senate. Meanwhile, this year, Trump himself became the target of a high-profile and controversial investigation by the Department of Justice. New reporting here after that unprecedented FBI search at the home of former President Trump at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And this was the search heard around the world. Republicans are accusing the Biden administration of weaponizing the FBI. And no the one at the White House was given uh, a heads up. No, that did not happen. We're learning more about what they did, what they found as partisans debate this unprecedented development. Twenty twenty two was our third year living with the COVID nineteen pandemic, and our first year watching monkeypox, now renamed as Mpox, spread globally. And I got the results back in two days, and it was positive monkeypox. I have seen my primary care physician who basically told me that to take Tylenol. And then my symptoms got worse. I went to the ER. Friends, it was completely interfering with my day-to-day life. It was akin to what I would probably consider to be like medieval torture. Mpox is now thankfully on the decline after stockpiled vaccines were made available and the LGBTQ community came together to spread awareness about the virus and the vaccine. Meanwhile, to combat the spread of Omicron, we got new updated bivalent booster shots. But COVID hasn't been eliminated. In fact, China is now dealing with its worst COVID-19 outbreak since the start of the pandemic. And speaking of China... This year, the country's leader, Xi Jinping, secured a third term. Xi Jinping has become the most powerful leader in China in decades after being given a third term as leader of the Communist Party. And there was a swell of mass protests, which helped end government-imposed COVID lockdowns. Speaking of protests, demonstrations have also been taking place in Iran for the past three months, following the death of a young woman while she was in police custody. And these protests have turned violent as police have cracked down on dissenters. These are the videos Iran doesn't want you to see. 
police firing in the streets, women cutting their hair, burning hijabs in rage. Protests in Iran are expected to continue in the new year. In Europe, Russia's President Vladimir Putin attacked neighboring country Ukraine in February and started a war. Good evening, and we're coming on the air at this hour with breaking news after the U.S. warned all day of a full-scale Russian invasion of Ukraine that it was imminent. Vladimir Putin has just addressed the Russian people moments ago, announcing what Putin called the start of a military special operation in his words. December marks 10 months since Putin invaded Ukraine, and there's no end in sight. According to the UN, over 6,000 civilians have been killed in the war. And experts say there are lives unaccounted for in areas where the fighting is still ongoing. But as the United States and other allies continue to rally around the Ukrainians, it's clear they aren't backing down. In the capital of Ukraine, the sound of missile strikes and air sirens. Russia has launched one of its largest missile attacks yet in Ukraine. Ukrainian tanks take up position, holding the line in recaptured territory in eastern Ukraine. Tension between the U.S. and Russia continued to escalate this year because of the war. And it came to a head when Russia held a traveling U.S. WNBA star captive for nine months. Brittany Griner is detained in Russia for allegedly having vape cartridges in her luggage at the Moscow airport. We are hearing from Brittany Griner for the first time since she was released from a Russian prison as part of a prisoner swap. In an Instagram post, Griner said, it feels good to be home. Now, Brittany Griner is home free in the U.S. and ready to hit the basketball court. And on the soccer pitch, Argentina clinched its first World Cup win since 1986. Gonzalo Montiel can win the World Cup for Argentina with this kick. Yes! Over in the UK, 2022 was a year of political upheaval. There was a revolving door of prime ministers. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new prime minister. I recognize though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. And the death of the country's longest reigning monarch. This is BBC News from London. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. In a statement, the palace said, the queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. BBC Television is broadcasting this special programme reporting the death of Her Majesty the Queen. And speaking of the royals, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, have made a splash with their juicy Netflix documentary series. The show has become the streaming giant's biggest documentary debut ever. And it's definitely shading the monarchy. No one knows the full truth. We know the full truth. Also in the spotlight this year was Elon Musk, who bought, then tried to unbuy, then decided to formally purchase Twitter. 
The deal is done. Twitter has been sold to Elon Musk. Fired by the world's richest man, Elon Musk, announcing massive layoffs overnight. Elon Musk creating a firestorm of tweets over the weekend. Musk getting invited on stage by comedian Dave Chappelle and then booed by the crowd. Is the Elon era of Twitter over sooner than we thought? Another big controversy involved Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster. We had 14 million people hit the site. No, tell me right now this is a joke. I literally feel like I'm about to burst into tears right now. The Justice Department is opening an investigation into Ticketmaster's parent company. While T-Swift is picking up her guitar, Serena Williams is hanging up her racket. The greatest of all time retired from tennis this year. Serena, this has been your stage. This is your moment. What would you like to say to your family, your friends, and all the millions of fans that are watching you around the world? Um, oh my God, thank you so much. And on the more lowbrow side of things, we had the spit. Did Harry Styles, just there in that moment, spit on his co-star, Chris Pine? The slap. <laughs> oh, wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. And the rise of Nepo babies. Feels like Nepo babies or nepotism babies are all the rage in Hollywood these days. As a person who has no familial connection to the entertainment industry, I am fine with nepotism babies. Just acknowledge it. Talented people you may not know were Nepo babies. So always remember to roast your nepotism baby. It's important to keep them humble. 2022 was also the year we couldn't stop playing Wordle or Pickleball. Well, what do you get when you give people six chances to guess a five-letter word, but you can only play once a day? A viral sensation worth low seven figures. Millions of Americans caught up in pickleball mania. Anybody can play, no matter what your age or, you know, where you come from or your skill set or your athletic background. And we finally found our new favorite drink. What's your drink of choice? A Negroni. I was going to say drink. Magliato. Mm, with Prosecco in it. Oh, stunning. Yeah. So, cheers to 2023. May we finally get that beach vacation in Sicily we've been waiting for. Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. Or maybe not. Happy holidays and see you next year. Thanks for listening to Skim This. This podcast was skimmed by me, Alex Carr, along with our producer, Will Livingston, and our associate producer, Blake Lou Merwin. We had additional help this week from Alicia Key. This episode was engineered by Ellie McAfee-Hahn, and the Skim's head of audio is Graylin Bashir. Skim This will be back in your feed again the first week of January. Until then, check out the Skim's other podcast. It's called 9 to 5-ish, and it's where we talk all things career with our founders, Carly and Danielle. You can find it wherever you're already listening to us.